Let me. Join Andrew Wall, Hector Garcia, and Michael Lee. One mission, one rule. Make accounting fun. Welcome to Friday Night Live with Accountants. Are you ready? Happy Friday, everybody. It's uh, it's a pretty special week. Uh, we've got some amazing guests lined up this week. I know you can already see the amazing people we have for you today. Um, so it's, you know, fortunate to be so excited these days in a time where we're not always that excited. Um, but with us today is Nao Carter-Gray, who most of you know, you've seen her around uh, QuickBooks Connect conferences. Um, she's a big advocate for small business um, and helping uh, people deal with all the issues that you face in QuickBooks and accounting and all those things that we deal with all the time. And she's the owner manager of First Step Accounting. But our big name drop of the evening <laughs> is the legendary Jade Simmons, who has uh, blown us all away with incredible and inspirational appearances at both QuickBooks Connect in San Jose, QuickBooks Connect in Toronto. And of course, she's done many, many, many other big stages around the world. But I think the biggest news is that she's actually running for president of the United States. So Jade, thank you so much for joining us for that. How are you doing? I'm excited to be back with you guys. You were like, I, I do this top 10 of my favorite engagements of the year and you guys were, man, right up there. I had an amazing time with you all. So I'm glad oh, to be back. We've all been to a ton of QuickBooks Connect <laughs> yeah. between the three of us. And, you know, I've my first QuickBooks Connect 2015, Oprah Winfrey was up there. We've seen some yeah. big names through the years, but <clears throat> your your performances are always going to be memorable. And never mind the fact that you made it especially memorable for me in Toronto, but I mean, mm -hmm. San Jose, you blew us out of the water and all three of us were there and, and it was jaw dropping. I mean, when you were done, everyone's like, who was that amazing awesome. performer? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I was it does like a, a really nice job. Trying to sneak backstage. Like, <laughs> yeah, I need a pass. Who do I know that can get me backstage to meet this awesome Black woman? She's That's amazing. Yeah, you know, I love it when people say, you know, uh, they'll tell me afterwards, we, we've never heard of you. But now we know. And I always say, you know, you know, when you go somewhere, there's a freedom, you know, when you know there's there's really no expectation around it. And I always tell people, they don't have to know you before you get there. They just have to be able to not forget you by the time you leave. So I'm glad, I'm glad there was, was an indelible impression made. That's always the goal is that even if you forget the name after, you know, after I'm off the stage, that there's something I was able to leave behind that feels still, you know, that last into the future. So it, it means a lot to be back. It tells me. Well, I'm, well you I'm know who I work. felt bad for was, was Common because he was the headliner. And after he came on, everyone's like, oh, okay, that's just common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And I didn't and I didn't know it was it was built like that, which is good for my ego. You know, as I knew I was just the keynote You're, preceding him. I you know, I had to read about it later that I was the opener, but I was like, you know, whatever, ego get out of the way, impact, take the day, and we're and we were good. So yeah. And your authenticity just shone right through. I mean, I think that's that's the big thing. You know, we've talked about um, what defines great speakers. Um, and, and it really is authenticity and that shone through with you. Mm. Not only were you like really authentic, but you put in the work, right? Like you didn't, yeah. um, um, like you built a presentation for our community. Yeah. You connected mm. with us in a meaningful way. And like, sometimes we, as you go to these big conferences and you have these big names, sometimes you walk away from these big names disappointed because they didn't connect with us. They didn't, right. they didn't put in the work, right? They're a name, so they don't have to put in the work. And that's the most disappointing experience. And mm -hmm. not only did you, did you do it once, you did it twice. So people who had seen your show, you, you came back and, and, like you blew away the first show. Like we already were like, now you've set the bar, right? Like some of us didn't know, some of us didn't know of you before you Connect San Jose. Yeah. So we were just like, oh, wow, she's amazing. But now the bar's been set here, right? Yeah. So you can't like just it. come in and get here, right? You can't. And you did it. You yeah, came you did. and you were up here, like not up here, like off the screen up here. The way that you um, took the risk, right? So authenticity, vulnerability, risk-taking, like you are hitting 
every and then of course you know having a little bit of rhythm and music that never hurts either right? never hurts right <laughs> a little bit of bass never hurt nobody right so it's like listen you know um i had heard that they don't normally book the same speaker for those two events um so i was you know honored to, to kind of get that back-to-back -back booking it is so the rare thing you mentioned yeah yeah that's what i, I heard the, the thing you mentioned about that putting in the work the customization when i started speaking uh, which is not that long ago in terms of speaking professionally and in corporate settings. I didn't know what the rules were. I didn't know that most of the speakers didn't customize. Yeah, I just, I assume, and I think as a musician, we have to play the same music so many times that it would drive us crazy if we played it the same way. So mm -hmm. we're always looking for ways to do it differently. And I think I brought that and the practice, right? We're in the practice room for hours and hours and hours. And so I brought that with me into the speaking world, not knowing it wasn't the norm until people kept saying, oh my gosh, you knew our company. And it's like, well, isn't that the dog? And now you're paying right. people. Or you knew yeah. our mission, or you actually sounded like, you know, you were in this industry. And it wasn't until that kept coming back at me that I said, oh my God, this is a differentiating factor. You better believe yeah. my fee went up when I realized I was one of the only people doing that. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a matter of understanding what the audience values and yep. then yep. using that to increase your value as well. Of course, the, the tricky part is what you said, the bar <laughs> then gets set. <laughs> Same thing with, you know, once COVID hit for my company uh, and people went suddenly virtual. Yeah. What was hard for me was, hey, I still want to deliver the same wow factor. So instead of going virtual from my home studio, you know, we rent out a concert hall. We bring in the concert grand, I, full awesome. makeup and hair, um, four cameras, uh, commentator, because we said we need to keep the level where we've set it. So, um, and that's, a that's tricky, awesome. It's a tricky thing. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's still thinking about going into the future, right? Just because the times are different. What I was telling the team was what stays the same? Our values stay the same. Yeah. So integrity saves in. We, we did a recorded presentation and I honestly didn't like the product as much. Um, mm -hmm. We discounted it. We'd already contracted for a higher rate. We discounted it because I said, it's not what we know we can do. They're probably still in love with the product, but we know where our bar is. And so we're trying to lead with integrity now so that on the other side of this, you know, people know what to expect. I, I think that's the key. The people who will rise out of these times are the ones who came in with an established way of being and said, you know, times be darned, we're going to maintain as much as we can, you know, as we push through these times. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think there has to be a little bit of adapting and changing, however, um, because oh gosh, yeah. now, yes, we have to find our new need, our new, yeah. normal, um, new normal, you know, once, yeah, one of my good friends, Lissandra, she said, she said that we, we were talking on live one day and she's like, we, we have to find the new need. Yeah. Like the same, the needs changed from the two months ago. Yeah, so the needs you change, to, you know, you're right. You're right. The needs yeah. change, but I say that your standard doesn't. Yeah, you know? your standards your bar, and your core, your bar, and your core yeah. values there probably should stay the same too. Yeah. <laughs> if, if at all possible, right? I mean, <laughs> right. there's grace we have to build into that right? We, the speed may not be what it used to be. Um, but as, <laughs> as much as possible, we want to stay close to that bar or, or create a whole new experience. I know we were forced to kind of innovate on the spot. Things we've been putting off, we were going to create a virtual experience, but never really had to. Then suddenly it was like, oh, you need that when, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so we were doing it. And I think that that's one, one of the things that really spoke to me about your presentations was that even before the need to innovate, that you were all always about innovating, yeah. right? Like that it, it was bringing together concepts that other people weren't thinking fit together mm -hmm. and being innovative. And I think that that's such, it, it became such a critical component of companies that are going to succeed in COVID is how do you innovate? How do you take concepts that wouldn't, that no one else would think would work and yeah. try them and, and uh, see how they work together? And I guess my question is like, how did, how did, how did you come across, how did you stumble across that process of finding these things that most people would look at and go, no, these two classical uh, pianist and hip hop, yeah. those don't go together. How, how did, mm -hmm. how did that process come to being for you? You know, I think you got you have a couple different ways, right? You always have necessity. <laughs> so necessity comes in there and suddenly you have to re, you know, uh, reinvent. So the necessity 
for me was coming out of school, you know, everybody and their grandma who just got a classical music degree wanted to be a concert pianist. So <laughs> right away, what's the differentiating factor? Uh, for me, being a speaker was, uh, I wasn't a professional speaker at the time, but speaking was a skill. And so to add storytelling, uh, back then it was very academic, almost like a lecture recital, but even still audiences weren't used to it. So that necessity was to differentiate. Uh, it allowed me to create a package deal for all the um, accountants and bookkeepers, you know, listening in for, for me, I knew I didn't want to be a starving art artist. Mm -hmm. I was like, I love this thing too much for it not to be able to provide for me and my family. So let me figure this, this thing out. Um, and so I started building packages. My biggest inspirations at the time were Nike, Michael Jordan, and uh, Apple. <laughs> and Oprah, you mentioned Oprah. Oprah in my face. Oprah. And so I was watching how they were creating experiences right around, around what, they, what the product was. And so that necessity then turned into curiosity. How much more can I do? Like, they didn't get up and leave <laughs> when I turned the electronics on. What else can I do? Um, so you get curious about it. And then you have to start to believe that the people you serve are really just like you in more ways than you thought. You know, and so I think most of my peers assumed they were all stuffy classical music lovers. No, they were multifaceted humans with multiple interests. They just happened to also like classical. And I took the risk of assuming you like other music too. You like humor, you like storytelling. Uh, and that risk taking, so the necessity, curiosity, risk taking, and then you make it a pattern. So for me, I get the itch about every eight months, I'm doing something new, adding something in. I have a drum set outside, still unassembled. I started taking lessons um, at the end of last year. Uh, I'll probably add tap, tap dancing at some point or DJing on stage, who knows? But I know that about every eight to 12 months, uh, I get antsy if I haven't added something new. Yeah, we call that bright, shiny object syndrome. What? Yeah, that, that's yeah. Yeah. Or squirrel <laughs> syndrome. Squirrel. Squirrel. There you squirrel. Go. Yeah. That's how we feel about our apps and our technology. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> and it, it's funny, so many successful entrepreneurs, you find that, that same trait, right? Um, it's really interesting that that is just seems to be part of the persona of people who tend to lead and run businesses is that they, they would never be happy doing the same thing day in, day out. I think that's all, almost a necessity to be an entrepreneur, in, in my opinion. And I bet you it's also the common factor in all of the failed entrepreneurs as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I had a mentor that said, Jade, you know, you're like a, a, a bottle of soda pop. <laughs> she said, you've got ideas out the wazoo. You're, you know, it's fizz all over, the, all over the place. And I thought, that can't be a bad thing. What do I need to do? And what I realized is there was this fizz, but what if I focus the fizz? Yes. Yeah. Right. So the fizz wasn't bad. It was when you didn't have a, a direction to point it in. Yeah. And so right. of course, in, in both of the QuickBooks presentation, you guys heard me talk about purpose and purpose, understanding that it was what was happening in people whenever I was doing whatever I was doing. It gave me room to say purpose didn't have to be just in the piano. It could be in writing a book. It could be in webcasting. You know, it could be administering. But if the fizz was always some kind of activation that was creating a reaction in the audience, uh, for me, it's always, I need the audience to feel bolder and yep. that they can do something or see something differently before our time together is over. And if that's the mission, I can do it in anything I want. I don't have to stay limited to piano. But I think in the early days, like many artists, you know, you go, well, I'm playing Chopin today and I'm writing this book tomorrow, but there was no through thread. So if you can go back and find that through thread, then you can have the permission to be all over the place because you'll be all over the place effectively uh, yeah. versus sporadically. I love that through thread concept. It's mm -hmm. like what connects these disparate things. Um, if you can find that, that's where the success is. I, I mean, one of the, I read a book called Faster Than Normal, which was a book that really connected with me. It was actually about people with, with ADD um, mm -hmm. and how their minds mm -hmm. think faster than normal. And it talks a lot about what you're talking about, which is, 
if you can focus that energy, if you're someone with ADD or, or think you might have be somewhere along that spectrum, but you can find the way to focus yourself without maybe Ritalin or with Ritalin mm-hmm. or whatever. The mm-hmm. Game mm-hmm. But if you're able to contain and focus that energy, you have the ability to outperform the average human being because you've got that fizz and you've got that energy and your mind is working a million miles a minute. Right. So I think that that's incredible. It's, it's a, you know, a gift and a curse (laughs) for sure. Uh, Especially when it comes to building teams and people management, I I think the hardest thing for me, uh, probably my biggest flaw in terms of leadership is assumption. Mm -hmm. So I'm either assuming Uh, that people are thinking the same way I am, will do things that I know, right? Will do it exactly how I would do it. And that also is hard rot in, into my thinking because I was so many years a solopreneur. Right. So I literally did everything. everything. All you know that feeling. <laughs> plus at the highest speed. Yep. And yep. the only person waiting on me to turn around was me. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Yes. I have to be very careful not to burn out teams. And uh, as a futurist, you know, I live like, you know, I'm way down the road and can't you see the vision? This is where we're going. Let's go. And I'm gone. And I'm like, where, what are you? Where, where's everybody? You're like, me, 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 me. And I'm gone. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm so gone. And, I'm, and they'll ask me questions like, so we just How need like to remember like what's the what's the end goal and i'm like so win people win that's the end goal let's go you know or and I, i'll have to remember oh my god every so often we need to reconnect to the vision yeah. i need to 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 re-envision with them we need yeah. to explain um, and, and really, that's been the hardest thing. It's still something I constantly have to make a correction on. But that assumption, yeah. either assuming mm-hmm. people think like you or do like you, or I was telling my team this, don't assume that the thing that stresses you out and is difficult for you is difficult for everyone else. Right. Because what right. it was creating in our group was it was causing people to hold on to stuff and not delegate because they assumed, yeah. oh, I don't want to stress them out. Right. And it's like, ah, and then you end up creating a bottleneck. So that assumption has been, you know, kind of the, the nemesis that we all have to kind of keep on the lookout for and just trust that people can protect themselves. They should know by now in my team, say no, if you need to say yes, if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's, you know, for me, at least leadership wise, that's been the biggest lesson that I'm still learning. Yeah, I think we, <laughs> we all face that managing people is the hardest thing of being an entrepreneur. Um, yeah. And we, we struggle with that so much with how, how do we, how do we manage this? Because as an entrepreneur, you do sometimes have to slow down if you're going to work with a team and that's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard. The hardest part is really the delegation because you can hire all day, but if you feel like you're the only one that can get the job done, it is very hard for you to say, here, do this. Even yeah. though you know you hired a capable person, That's like right. you took the time, looked at their resume, yeah. interviewed them and said, you're going to be my star team player. And then I'm going to mm-hmm. sit you in a corner and give you absolutely nothing to do mm-hmm. because I think I can do it better than you. Well, and Niall, don't you think that speed factor comes in there too? I know for me, absolutely. It, it wasn't always that, that I, because I try to hire <clears throat> because I know they can do it better than I can. But then the time it takes to, to onboard to and to actually delegate, if you're impatient, you're like, I don't even have time. It's easier for me to just do it, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, that that's, I think, the struggle and leadership of allowing teams to, to really grow. I always do that example, you know, on stage where you bring people on stage. Brad knows that example well. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you, man. You let people kind of in real time freak out. Second, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, the heat on the stage is real, y'all. Like when you get close to the two people up there, it's hot. Yeah. Because they are burning all. I mean, it's it's the most incredible thing. Brad, how how did that feel <laughs> for you when I pulled you well uh, on stage? I don't think I ever told you the story. We were out very late the, the night before, like very late. Um, yeah. we have this thing called the tea sheets party, and it's kind of this crazy drink out. 
So I was hung over the whole day as it was. Um, no way. Yeah. And, and so Andrew and I, you know, we tend to burn the midnight oil. We're kind of a um, partner. They are the party, the party. They set the party down. Yeah, we, kind of, okay. we kind of watched the sun come okay. up and all that. So I was, okay. I was, I was unusually hung over. Uh, but obviously I was really excited to, to see you again. And, and while you were warming up, I was outside with one of the Intuit guys and I was trying to peek in and he wouldn't let me. And he's a huge classical music fan. And when you went into Flight no of the way. Bumblebee during your warm up, he was, he was all excited and it kind of started to wake me up a bit. And of course, when I got in there, I was pretty excited. But when you asked me to come up, I had two reactions right away. First reaction, I wanted to throw up. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Second reaction, where's the exit? I'm out of here. Yeah. You know, I just thought, oh, my God. But of course, um, it was one of the most uh, exciting things I'd ever done. And of course, Andrew was right there with me and I, yeah. I was surrounded by all my friends and they were, yeah, they were cheering you on. Yeah, that made his year. Here, a lot of he fun. talked about it for quite a while. That made his year. Yeah, the it's impact the desktop on my laptop still. Yeah. Impact you had on this man's life, because I think I, what you don't also understand is Brad was going through some stuff. Like, you know how like you say that the world has a purpose? Yeah. Like timing is, the timing of that, you, Brad needed that. Brad. Yeah. Really it's never, that, that moment is never, um, there's never any accident yes. in that moment. Um, and I think I've shared this with you at least, maybe digitally I've said it, but um, I was pressured really hard to consider taking that part out of the presentation. I know Intuit told me that they said that you approached them, but you wouldn't give them the details and they were getting a bit. I actually did give them the details. I thought that's why they told me none. But I didn't pick, I didn't pick, we never pick in advance. Yeah. Um, and they wanted me to consider picking somebody in advance. They told me who <laughs> not to pick. That Here's was the, the part that they yeah. said that they had a bit of a challenge with because it's their policy not to allow that just in case somebody just freaks out and runs to the back or throws up yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Or I they think just they had said they had an experience that was, was not very positive before. And so they were really worried about replicating that. And so my team had to spend a good bit of time saying, we promise you, we do this all the time in every room, You're good at no it. matter the audience. And, and it's, it's, so the thing is, it's never failed. We've never had a meltdown. Um, we've never had the music not work out. And when it when it does what it does, the reaction is always the same. And it ends up being powerful for the people on stage, but other people have their moments. Um, I told you we did a recorded presentation recently and, we, and they wanted the interactive segment. They'd seen it and they're like, we still wanna do it. And so we tried to do it over Zoom, God help us. We had, <laughs> They were in a different country, the time lag, the delay. And we I love not, your courage to try that. I we, we, we tried because I'd seen these wonderful stories about orchestras practicing on Zoom. We can do this. Well, you know, with Zoom technology, one person starts speaking, the mic, oh, it yeah, did that, not what, work. Millisecond delay screws it, it all up. It was screwing up and the people, it wasn't working. But there was one guy who couldn't make it to the first session and at this point we were saying, hey, let me get you guys a pre-recorded segment from another presentation, let's put it in. But there was one guy who said, no, 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 I really wanna try it. So once the first crew didn't work out, I stuck around and this guy comes on. Um, his name is Wolfgang, which is perfect because it's like related to Mozart, doesn't even know it, right? This guy gets on and he says, oh my God. He said, I saw you when you were with my company months ago last year. And he said, when you brought those two people on stage, he said, I had such a reaction that I cried the rest of the presentation and I never got to come speak to you because I was having my own moment. He goes on to tell me he was a classically trained pianist, always wanted to be a concert pianist, ended up going electrical engineering, technology, blah, blah, blah. So we recorded the segment. It wasn't the best music in the world. Same you know, issues with time delay, but it was, it was better than the first group. And this man had this epiphany and what we couldn't have done in real time was do four takes. <laughs> but with the wonders <laughs> of technology, we showed each take and you got to watch his evolution 
on take three, I just stopped and said, what's going on with you? And he said, I feel like I'm in a cage. I just can't get out. So we talk him through getting out of the cage. Fourth take, he's free as a bird. He yells at the end. It makes the best video ever. But it wasn't an accident that the first group didn't work. And we had that moment. And I remember saying to him, Wolfgang, if none of this works for the presentation, just me and you having this time together and you getting free by the end, it's worth everything. And so that moment, we, we really fight hard for it every time. And so when, you know, Brad and Tanis came up there, it was like, it was perfect. I mean, we couldn't have planned that any better. We couldn't have planned it any better. And, and that's how I think that, and it's, it's to show the adversity in the moment, to show that we all feel like we have to throw up, we look for the exit. But what happens when we push through, we do the thing we didn't wake up that morning expecting to do, and you create, you always create the most powerful moment of the presentation. Which actually brings us to an interesting topic that, that I did want to sort of talk about a little bit, yeah. Um, which is, which is adversity. Um, because I think that's, it's obviously a really topical issue right now. Lots of stuff going on in the news with George Floyd. Uh, I think there's, there's multiple types of adversity that we face in our lives, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, the personal adversity, um, situational adversity mm -hmm. or institutional adversity, right? There's, there's yeah. all different types of things. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, you're talking about personal adversity that individuals face in, in, whatever struggles that they're going through in their daily lives. And we all have our own form of personal adversities. Yeah. Um, and right now, obviously so many people are going through a situational adversity mm -hmm. right now um, with, with COVID. Um, and, and I'm curious your perspective um, on how to manage through adversity. I know that you're a very spiritual woman and that's a big mm -hmm. part. Um, and I know that for a lot of people, that's a big guiding light through adversity because um, you've obviously, you are a shining example of success. The way that you have mastered your career as an inspirational speaker that really has set the bar up here for anyone who's heard you speak, the way that you've connected with us, you have, you, you are someone that so many of us look up to and we're, there's so many people right now who are struggling, struggling with personal, uh, you know, issues, situational issues, and institutional yeah. issues. Do you have any advice for those people and how we, how we overcome? Yeah, you know, when I, when I think of personal adversity, and I'm just kind of thinking of this in real time, because I'd originally thought of it as it's the area in many ways we have the most control over, right? None of us could have stopped COVID. Uh, mm. But personal adversity is the thing we face the most, but it's also the thing we have the most control over. I also believe it's the thing that will take us out more than the situational adversity and even more than the institutional adversity. And, and that's, that's a big thing to say considering the, the times we're in right now. But let me explain. When we, when we talked about Brad's experience coming on stage, that was a moment that he's saying has really altered the way he's doing life right now. Before he got on the stage, he had to overcome personal adversity. Mm. And he had to do it within a few seconds. He made a bunch of critical decisions. I think we are faced with that opportunity a couple times a day, <laughs> definitely a couple times a week. Think about how many moments most people do exit the room. Yeah. Or just so free. That, right. They, and they would have missed literally a life altering shift. That's going to change the way you go back and relate to people. It's going to change the way you say yes or no to opportunity in the beginning. So the personal adversity, when I say it, I think of it in terms of the mindsets that have always plagued us, the habits that have always plagued us, the emotions that have always taken us out. And so um, as a coach, I'm always helping people to take personal inventory and take it regularly that uh, you should know what your default emotion is. <laughs> Does anybody know, do you know what your default emotion is? Does anybody have one that you think of? What is it? <laughs> I growl. <laughs> What's yours, Brad? I growl. <laughs> growl. growl is not an emotion. Like, oh, like, cranky. Well, drunk isn't and, really an emotion. But and, and just so you know, my wife is, is actually in here tonight, so she can attest to that. She knows yeah. I'm not lying. That's funny. Mine so, is typically um, kind of focused or either uh, very talkative. So 
I do very well when I'm in rooms with people um, because I get so much energy interacting and talking and being able to kind of talk, work through things with others. That, so, that gives me such joy. Okay, but what is the emotion that comes the most often and screws up your day? Fear. The one that you most feel when you are in a bad situation. Well, what screws up every day that what annoyed What's frustration yeah. for instance frustration, frustration is mine yeah yeah fear so so fear what were you gonna fine. say fear is is, is like mm. it's not something i encounter a lot but it's the one that shuts me down it's the one that shuts you down so here's why it's crucial to know that if you don't recognize that that default emotion will always be the thing that cancels you frustration was mine i didn't know that for years it's not the same as anger it's not the same as fear so the thing is, when you discover what the emotion is, then you have to ask yourself, when, it, when are the times I feel this emotion? Because the way that the body works psychologically um, and chemically speaking, as soon as you tell yourself, I'm gonna be done with this default emotion, your body goes, your brain goes crazy because it's addicted to that emotion. And it starts to look for ways to get you to feel that emotion. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you know that frustration is your, is your drug, you, and you say, I'm stopping that drug. I'm quitting you frustration. Your body goes, oh, no, uh-uh. We got to find some ways to get her frustrated so we can feel that again. It's a huge piece of adversity. You try it. When you said annoyed, watch Nio tomorrow how annoyed <laughs> you're going to get. So here's See, the thing. I, I know it's annoying. So I try to uh, eliminate all the things that I know avoid me. So like, for example, Random phone calls throughout the day just annoy the crap out of me. So I, I hire an answering service. I don't answer my own phone anymore. Why do they annoy you? Uh, it's just people who call for stupid stuff. You know, they call and, and me when to they tell call, me they send me an email. It's like, I got you. the email. So what they, there it is. That's the word. The word is even more than annoyance. The root of the annoyance is interruption. It's interruption. So what that means is okay. and it, you, you build now your day, your time to have yourself avoid interruption, right? And so, and so, you, so you, you weed out the thing that triggers the emotion. So frustration for me, I found out, was always related to a lack of help. But mm -hmm. here's the catch. I don't like asking help. help. <laughs> so I was setting myself up to experience frustration over and over and over. So now uh, when I feel the frustration trigger, I know, ah, I need some kind of help. So I am now the delegation fiend. My husband jokes, we, we, got, we got so much help now. We got nanny, we got housekeeper. Um, and, when, and when the, <laughs> I'm telling myself, but when the housekeeper's not here, it's like, listen, I'm looking at them dishes like, she'll be here tomorrow. And, and my husband's like, she's not here. Why don't you do the dishes? Because I'm like, I pay her to do what she does wonderfully. And the freedom it gives me to know that that pile will go down and that I won't be Nayo, interrupted by that thing. I feel so much less frustration, but I ha you have to like walk it back. So when you talk about personal adversity, you know, it sounds little to say frustration is, is the thing or annoyance is the thing. But if that interrupts your productivity, which interrupts your joy, which, which interrupts your personality, causes you to relate to people differently because you're annoyed because you were interrupted because you never got stuff done and you're not productive and it's pot up the next day and blah, 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 blah. And so that thing can cancel you out. That's at the, you know, the most minor level. And then I think there are other, those big emotions like fear, right? That could literally um, talk us out of opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and so those are the things we get comfort in being able to address because nobody can stop Nayo from dealing with her annoyance. She has complete control to deal with that. Yeah. So personal adversity, we have that control. Um, and it's the most powerful thing that we can focus on, even in these times now, to, to watch my frustration, yeah. right, levels and not to let it be um, raised because of the stuff that's going on around me as well. Yeah. And in fact, to be honest, I mean, one of the things I try to do is put myself in uncomfortable situations mm. to make me face fear so that 
I, in hopes, of, in my mind, that's how I'm going to overcome it. I just got to hit it so many fucking times. Yeah. I just have do to you, hit it. Do you time. know what the fear is from? What, do you know which fear? Because fear is huge. So which fear is it that you feel the most? Uh, usually it's fear of failure. Uh, it's fear of not being good enough. It's usually inadequacy fears. Okay. So then you go, then you go, you dig down to that, like the fear of failure what is the actual fear there? Is it the fear that the thing won't work or that people will see you fail? Yeah, that people will see me fail. Right, so then you take that path and you go, what is it that happens when people see you fail? Yeah, I get it. Or what are you worried about that yeah. happens when people see you fail? Then you figure that out. And so there's there's a boldness that comes when you know the root of your trigger, right? You know, people are- funny to hear him say this because Andrew's like an early adopter to a lot of things, so he tries I and run sometimes fail, right? Yes, and it's so it's It's what shuts me down the most. That's why I it's, said it's not. It's not something you keep digging because it's not the fit. If it were really the failure, he wouldn't be an early adopter, right? It's it's the what are people going to think when I fail? Yeah. Um, and then he, I, if I had to guess, he usually rises anyway. <laughs> you know, it's like or move to, yes. move to the next thing, adopt the next thing, and keep it moving. Yeah. Um, yes. So I know at least with like speaking, a lot of people will say, you know, they're afraid of messing up. Yeah. You're not afraid of messing up. You're afraid of what the audience is going to think when you mess up. What if we can do the research and find out that the audience, they're going to be okay if you mess up. Sort um, of like that seven whys, right? You got to dig a little deeper. Than yeah, you dig a little up. deeper. Uh, and, and it's a good exercise that keeps us uh, very present and really not just um, giving in to those big words. Oh, I feel so annoyed. You know, oh, I feel so frustrated. <laughs> Right, because it's easy, and then we leave it at that, then we just sulk in our frustration and our annoyance, yeah. but we don't get to move forward. And so personal adversity is the easiest to tackle in many ways, or it's the easiest to be able to figure it out, and we have the most control over it, and it actually opens the most doors when we dare to, to dig into it. Um, situational adversity, <laughs> like COVID-19. Before we go into situational adversity, though, I do yeah. think, I'm not sure that everybody knows that you offer help to help people with personal adversity and coaching and mentorship. And, and, and you've got some programs that I think is worth highlighting. Like I know you probably, you may not want to plug yourself. Well, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't do uh, personal coaching anymore. No, um, that's not all because of the. Well, yeah, well, it, I put it on hold in the middle of last year, just because time wise, um, we, you know, we ended up automating a lot of the, the programs. And so we will have things that people can, um, you know, be able to get into and work through programs on their own. Um, so that's still available, but I don't do personal one-on-one -on -one coaching right now. Just a little bit busy. Yeah. <laughs> if you got in, just a little bit. We're, and, and those are just, just a today, little bit. I, so thank you for the little bit of personal coaching we just got right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You're, you're, the checks in the mail, right, Andrew? I, hey, yeah. listen, I got we so don't use checks. What are you talking? I, I know, but I got so many wires. I'm yeah. telling you, EDF is in the is in the email. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry. Moving on to situational awareness. Yeah, you know, COVID nineteen is a perfect example. Um, situational adversity, I think of as the stuff that we have to adjust to in real time. Yeah. Uh, and this is where you find out what did you hardwire in on the front side of this thing. Um, you also find out where you still need to work. Situational adversity will bring that out of you. Ooh, I thought I was good in this and I still need to look in the mirror on this thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Situational adversity is a mirror. You know, you kind of find out what you're made of, what still needs some work, some repair, and what still needs healing. You know, I think a lot of people don't know the areas that are hurting or broken until they hit one of these um, periods like this. And I think maybe the good thing about situational adversity, you know, you heard people say this has different levels of accuracy that we're all in this together, right? COVID-19, it's really, um, I said in the beginning, it, it doesn't discriminate, you know, Boris Johnson got it, right? Um, but of course, we all know that at the end of the day, it does, even though it might have touched everyone, it, it doesn't touch everybody in the same way. Yes. And so we saw COVID exacerbate a lot of things. And to me, that was the perfect example of what situational adversity really is. Yeah. I use the metaphor um, of like, if you think of people around the pool, you know, before COVID-19, if you were sitting on the ledge of the pool and just had your feet dangling in the water, suddenly you were in the water. 
if you were in the water before COVID-19, <laughs> afterwards, you were like trying to keep your head above water. But you keep going. If you had the head above water and COVID-19 hit, you were, you were underwater. And yeah. then the people who were always at the bottom of the pool were like, welcome to the pool party. We've been here a long time, you know, <laughs> come on in, you know. Um, but here's what's wild. You know, there was video <laughs> of people in luxury cars pulling up to food bank lines. It's like, man, we, we got this gut check. Yeah. But where the power was in this thing is that maybe a month ago you were totally fine. But now you get to feel at least a little bit what it feels like to not be so fine. Yeah. To me, that's the most powerful thing we get to take out of COVID-19 is we possibly, if we made the heart space for it and took the time to really pay attention, we got to feel a little bit. We got to feel a little bit of what others who had less than feel on a regular basis. And I think the biggest mistake we can make coming out of this situation is to pretend like it never happened and yeah. to go back to doing everything we were doing just how we were doing it before it happened. So that to me is the blessing in this time is that maybe we got to have a little more empathy. Um, yeah. You know, we, we felt like, you know, people who were living check to check, we thought they were irresponsible. They weren't managing their money. And then our checks were like, oh, gone. I didn't manage so well either. I had no savings. Your people were like waking up going, you know, it's not as simple as they thought. I think that's a very powerful outcome. Yeah. And that life can throw you a curveball at any moment. Yeah. And how are you going to react? I mean, I think as, you know, I'm here in the U.S. And as a nation, we learned about ourselves. You know, I think, I think every nation. We're learning. We are learning. And every nation has a, has a very specific personality and DNA. And I always say this about individuals uh, with your super skill. Usually your super skill is also the weapon that can take you out. Um, for me, my super skill is speaking. But I have to be very careful with that weapon because if I'm not careful, those same words that can lift you up can cut you quick. Didn't even know them. Fowls on the ground, you know, it's like you didn't even know I cut you. So I have to be careful. That's me too. That's me too. Be careful, right? I have to be careful, especially now with the political campaign. You know, people come for you, and you know, you got to kind of swallow a little bit, take a breath. I say there's magic in that moment before you speak. And say, Jade, your purpose is to activate people into becoming bigger, bolder versions of themselves. So in every response, can I dare lift somebody up as they are trying to tear me down? And that has not been easy. But yeah. there is a The trolls are real. Yes. They're real. But there's social a Social media is bad. Social media is bad. But I think social media was created to be powerful. Yes, it was it meant is. to give the lay person a platform. Yep. for better and for worse, but it gave us this platform. And so with situations, we find out what we're made of and we find out what we really, really believe. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting. I, I had the opportunity once to, to interview, interview Al Gore. Um, oh, wow. A lot of people don't know that Al Gore wrote his dissertation at, I think it was Harvard, um, on the introduction of television and its impact on politics. And no I asked him, yeah, so I asked him what he thought of social media and its impact on politics versus television. And he said, television gave a voice to the politicians and social media gave a voice to the voters. That's good. And the politicians, sadly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Some of yes. them anyways. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, I think we were talking about this in the beginning with business and now you were saying, you know, the situation is going to change us and we're going to have to reinvent. We're going to have to innovate, but we get to keep our core values the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how you got to go through situational adversity. I think what people aren't counting on, um, we're going to have to learn again how to communicate after this because we found new things to be divided over. Yep. You know, people are judgy on, did you wear a mask or not? We're reopening or not? Who do you, I mean, we have new things, new, you know, little landmines to navigate and, what I hate to see is people lo losing their voice out of fear of judgment. Yeah. We should be able to speak clearly and powerfully about our convictions. It's one of the reasons I speak openly on my faith yeah. is because I don't like how my faith has been represented by others. Mm. So to me, 
to either pretend like I don't have faith or apologize for that faith would be doing a disservice. Yeah. So I try to live boldly in that so that people at least know where I stand. They know how I, how I believe. But then to me, at least in my faith as a Christian, I believe I'm supposed to now extend honor, grace, uh, justice, protection to people who don't believe like me, who don't look like me and who don't live like me. That to me is the epitome of my faith. So when I don't see that on the other side, uh, I've got to show something different. And so, <laughs> excuse me, even in this situational adversity now, the key is how much can we preserve who we really are at the core while going through these hard times? And yeah. I think it would behoove us to make a list of what are my core values again? Okay, not cut people up, build them, <laughs> you know, build them up, not cut up. <laughs> Remind yourself of that so that you can, when you come out of this, people are going to remember whoever you were during that time. Yes. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's definitely a defining moment for a lot of people. You're seeing character on so many different levels, both good and bad. You know, yeah. people are rising up and then you're seeing people that aren't exactly handling the adversity and the pressure. And I think it's been um, a real eye and a real look into into the human psyche right now, because we're some people are saying this whole thing is fake. Other people are saying we have to do this. It's hard to know what to do, yeah. but we're all dealing with it. You know, the whole world is dealing with this same pandemic right now. So it's been interesting to see how some nations embrace it. Others kind of trip over yeah. it. Others are flat out denying it. I don't know if yeah. you've followed the Brazil situation, yeah, I have. but their president is just like, it's just the sniffles. Yeah. So, it's no big deal. You guys yeah. know that I had a keynote um, I was speaking in Brazil, keynote, October, oh, right. and no I kept asking, uh, oh, is this event going to get canceled? And they were like, no, it's going to be fine. Finally, they canceled it. A couple of days after they canceled it, I look on the news and they're like, the worst numbers ever. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of figured yeah. <laughs> this, this has was been, going to get canceled, but it was just so weird that they were acting as if, if everything was normal so and, and in their defense you know it really wasn't they it really was yeah. the president yeah, and the people have guy. been protesting it's one guy uh, um it's wild to see again the impact and the effect of one person yeah. right you know on yes. these situations um i've been following covid since mid-december and so i was shocked it wasn't in u.s media until i don't know January, February, and I was February, thinking, why, right? Why are we talking about this? I was, I was very, and so I've been following it for a long time. But when I say like we have unique uh, national identities, America has built into its DNA maverick, rebel, uh, you know, and those are wonderful things when it comes to starting, you know, yeah. innovating, winning. Um, not so good when you need us all to do the same thing because we <laughs> we flex. When you gonna tell me you gonna tell me to stay home? Uh -uh. Right. You're going to tell and me to come I'm, out of my house? No, thank you. You know, it's you like, me I can't go to work. I'm going to work. I'm anyway. going to work. You tell me I got to come back to work. I'm staying home. Well, you know, so it's like we have those reactions. Uh, and I think this is one of the, the times where, well, one of the times, one of the many times we really just didn't look united. And this was the time we needed to be united. We had completely different realities. I have a question for yeah. you guys. I'm curious, did you, uh, Brad was saying, you know, you got to see people's character. Were you disillusioned by things you saw from people you thought you knew? You know did anybody, what? Did people say things and you were like, oh, I thought. There, I there, yeah. There was one. I'll be honest. There were a few for me. I yeah, was I've like, seen really? a few. We, we, you don't believe that this is real. It's a, like the whole conspiracy theory. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like I was That's like. so dangerous. Yeah. I'm like, how did this. Really think I don't, created this? What the fuck? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, that, how does this make sense to you? And I'm thinking logically it did make sense to me and i think you're a very smart individual mm -hmm. so if i'm saying that you're smart and, and this logically doesn't make sense how, like how do these things go yeah. together and yeah. so yes yeah. It, it definitely i have hit the unfriend button a few times but yeah. it was, for me it was it was that was like the exception to the rule okay what i was so proud of 
was that how our community stepped up mm. to help and support people. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that was our powerful. community, like, and, and particularly, like, there's been a lot of stress for accountants having to deal with all this, whether oh, it's gosh, PPP yeah. stuff or whether the legislation is, and it changes daily. So, and, yeah. Not to mention that's on both, both Canada, countries. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I've been seeing it on both sides. It's, it's yeah. just been a hot mess. One person saying something, the, the law saying this. Mm. It's just like, can we all come together and create these laws mm. and bring in the people that have to help you enforce them so we can create something that is tangible yeah. so does it, it doesn't come off as a, a piece of crap law after yeah. you've already put it into place and then we have to make some technical corrections. That's right. Right. But plus the emotion, I'm, I'm also like, there's the whole you know, emotional stuff over and above the, the technical stuff, which, you know, people's energy rubs off on you, right? Whether it's good energy oh, yeah. or bad energy. And, and the amount of phone calls that accountants are having with people that are going through really bad shit. That's right. Really That's tough right. shit. And that emotional energy, the, the like for people having to, like I've heard so many stories of accountants who are reaching out to hundreds of their clients um, and having to have dozens of conversations, sometimes several a day, with people who've just had their life turned upside down. Mm. And part of accounting is being a counselor, a coach, uh, right. you know, the, the, and particularly even more with the bookkeepers than the accountants, because the bookkeepers are their, are really like their lifeblood, their connection. They, they right. know their business better than anyone else. And, mm. and that was so important for the businesses to have somebody to talk to and, and to, you know, offload. But it was also like, no one really talked about, the stress that the accountants were going no, through. No, I hadn't heard that. We problem. think of that. We think of the healthcare workers. You know, we see the suicides that are happening yeah. there. But I don't think yeah. I, I'd ever, until till right now, thought about that. I think the worst, the worst oh. thing I've been hearing is um, because there's been so many layoffs, that mm. that's who the businesses have been going to. Their bookkeepers saying, "Help me with the layoffs, the terminations, wow. and the paperwork that goes with it." So that's tough. Like. You know, I've talked to some of my friends in the community up here and they've they've been involved with layoffs, you know, 40, 50 people, yeah. 60 people, yeah. you know, big groups, and they spend their whole day doing that. And that's tough. That's I have really how, how to help with layoffs, but my primary customer base is the smaller individuals. So all of the stay-at-home orders uh, impacted every single customer I have. And so having to talk to them and hear their panic and, and having to absorb it and then kind of talk them off the ledge and say, there's help coming. We'll apply for this. We'll make sure that your, your bills actually get paid. Um, and, and then having to make some financial adjustments to ensure that they can continue being customers on my end. Jeez. So, yeah. And how are you? I'm just curious. How are you? How are you? How are you handling that? How Because this is situational adversity on right. steroids how are you how do you after you absorb all of that what's your process to let that go so initially what i was noticed i would work 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 and i mean i was working till 4 30 in the morning mm -hmm. wake right back up at 8 30 and do it all over again and what my body started telling me is like you're tired you're you're mm -hmm. slumpy and then i realized tax season normally ends april 15th and right. you normally take a week off I still haven't had my week off, yeah. but I've started taking days off or hours off and trying to do something outside of, of work. And now I'm starting to work on a passion project. So it's something kind mm. of engaging and fun in addition to the work I do have to do. Um, and then now taking phone calls from the clients where I am turning out to be a rock star because they have quick questions and I'm, I can answer them really quickly and like, yes. But you are a yeah. rock star, Naya. <laughs> I've always been a rock star in our world. Like a rock star. Yeah, but like, but today I had two clients, the phone calls were less than five minutes both and both of them ended with, oh, that was so awesome. You're a rock star. Talk to you later. And I was like, good Friday. I'm Man, done for a the five day. minute phone call. I need to clone you and, and, and put you put you over here. We could, we could See, that's a lesson in the five minute phone call. What happens is they go through the answering service. The answering service pre-screens the call. How may I help you? So you know exactly what they need before they call. Nice. So sometimes you can just email it what they need. Or when you call, you already have the answer. You already answered. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I tell you where I've really been inspired, though, is um, 
I'm not a traditional accountant in that I don't really spend a lot of time with taxes and, and all those traditional services. I'm more operational in, in focus. And I've got this Facebook group um, with a real engaged community and everyone in there is helping everyone else out, understanding the legislation. Oh, you know, I've got this problem. I don't know how to do this. And people are jumping in to help. So I've just sat back. I'm very hands off in the in the administration of the group anyways. And it's been so inspiring for me to just sit back and watch how my community has risen up. And, and Jay, do you remember how we are? Because you've yeah. been to, I mean, we've been reminiscing about those conferences. Andrew and I have uh, been in San Jose together five years in a row. We've been to London and, and we've mm. been at conferences all over. They, they really mean a lot. And there's all this talk of virtual conferences and all that, which is yeah. okay, but it's just not the same when you're around your people. And that's one thing that just blows me away about our community. And it's a worldwide community is just how people rise up. So in, in my community, I've been really inspired um, you talked earlier about people might let you down a bit and it's actually people outside of that business community. I've seen people that I don't really, I didn't really know where they stood on things. And it really, Naya, you mentioned conspiracy theories and that nothing uh, disappoints me more than when I hear people discounting science and mathematics. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's, in, it's yeah. this invisible thing. They don't see it. And Oh, it only affects old people and all that. That's just yeah. such a self, it's that selfish yeah. attitude. Gets COVID. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I think yeah. for me, it was the early on, the stuff that really bothered me was it's, we have, we, we lose more to the flu. It's only yeah. this many people. Car I, get the science too. I get the statistics. I get the statistics, but we don't have any other time where funeral homes don't have any place to put the body. Yeah. Right. You know, where people can't visit their loved ones in the hospital. So I, I hate when we normalize something that shouldn't be normalized. <laughs> we need to treat this as if this is horrible. We need yeah. to see what we can do not to have it happen again in this way. And then how right. do we just treat each other better through it? You know, um, but yeah, so I, I love hearing that, Brad, about the community. I've heard some other stories about that. People have just been jumping in and uh, without even having to be asked deciding oh, yeah. how to help each other and that's, that's and, and, that's and you did see that cross-section of us in toronto and san jose and it's mm -hmm. you know i've got a lot of those people in the group as well it's it's been inspiring it's kept me going because my business is so different so i've been impacted rather adversely like my business just fell off a cliff mm. but at the same time you know it, you got to circle the wagons and do what you got to do and a lot of phone calls. A lot of people are interested in, in my services, especially since I focus on the cloud and, and modern ways of doing accounting. Everyone wants what they want, but they want to wait till they see what happens. And yeah. I'm okay with that because yeah. I've, I've met a lot yeah. of great people. I've signed a handful of new clients. Um, wow. I lost a really big one, but I kind of saw a side of him that I, I was okay with because he wasn't the nicest I didn't like the way he kind of dealt with the handoff. He just yeah. kind of said, I don't got money. I'm gone. Just like yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, it's been inspiring and it's, and it, I've managed to keep my sanity just because I am surrounded by all this. And I, I did tell you some of my hobbies south of the border. That's just, that's just a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> so, believe it or not, guys, it's, it's all, it's been an hour. How could that be? I know, I know, I know. Uh, I know. And, and we never really even got to touch on, uh, institutional adversity, which um, maybe, I don't know whether that's a blessing or a curse. I think the the most important thing I think that is that we got to start having conversations about this. You yes. Know, if, if what's going on with the issues with things like George Floyd isn't raising your awareness that there are issues here, you're, you're fucking blind. Pardon my friend. <laughs> um, and it's a conversation that needs to be had. I know it's a difficult conversation, um, but we need to continue these conversations. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to take a few extra minutes maybe just to, to let maybe everyone have their, you know, 30 seconds on what they think that we can do, as Jade says, to raise people up, to make the world a better place, uh, while acknowledging that this is a real thing that's going on today, even though that those of us in big cities, um, you know, just think that it doesn't exist. We're, we're, we're wrong. It's real. It's happening. And we need to talk about it. Jade, can I get your two cents on it before we close? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think uh, 
we get to stay consistent on this because I think the through theme is can we maintain our core values as we deal with these issues? Mm. It'd be very hard to digress into sheer outrage and anger. Um, yeah. As an African-American, I have to really be very careful about how much I watch of this stuff every day. Um, it's, it's very difficult to maintain your humanity towards other humans. And so I would just urge everybody in a posture to get in a posture of understanding. Yes. You know, when you see these riots, understand this is not about George Floyd. This is, this is years and so years much, of dude. a buildup. And yeah. you're seeing, you know, the eruption of that. And what I said earlier today was you're seeing death and destruction in response to death and destruction. You're, you're seeing people so-called act like animals in response to being treated like animals. And so if we can understand from that, from that standpoint, it allows us to say, I'm not going to get my eyes averted on the inflammation. That is the rioting. I'm going to stay focused just on the hard conversation that is the racism that we're still seeing so people can um stay out of a place of judgment yeah. about what the what the outcome looks like right now and try to go to a place of understanding of how we got here that's the conversation we'll end up having and that's the one that we have to have well said wow <laughs> you got me so <laughs> let's yeah let's just we'll, we'll close it up there because we're out of time jade how can people connect with you how can they um Obviously, other than voting for you in the next election, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how can they connect and learn more about your platform and what you're doing and things you're working on? Sure, I'm running as an independent candidate, completely independent. You can learn more at OperationRestoration2020.com, and you'll learn more about uh, my platforms, what we're looking to do in this nation in terms of restoring it to a place that does have humanity as its number one character trait. So. Um, I'd love to learn more about you as well. You can text RESTORE to 33777 to find out how to get involved in what we're doing. I love it. Humanity. we got to focus on helping each other. Thanks again, Jade. Thank you. Nayo. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for having me. See you guys next week. <laughs> Bye for now. <laughs>